What's up, y'all? You're listening to The Goat Rodeo, a podcast about how to do life, family, travel, and small business all on your own terms. Let's get to it. Hey everybody, welcome to the Goat Rodeo. This is uh, got Chad and Jamie, and we're in Vegas right now at the Wedding and Portrait Photographers International. Yeah, yeah. Um, got our friend Jen Rosenbaum with us today. We're gonna actually let her introduce herself. So, thanks for helping out, Jen. <laughs> okay, it's been a fun morning wow. already. We've had some, right under the bus there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. This is a microphone. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm Jen Rosenbaum, and I am a boudoir photographer in New York. Yeah. So I you know known- how you know I'm from New York. How do you know? I just told just, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's probably never comes up in conversation. No, never. never. <laughs> At least in the like first three minutes, right? right. <laughs> um, well, I've gotten to know Jen, how long have we known each other? Since like 2011, maybe? 2012? Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, we've done a lot of work together and talked off and on and just kind of followed along with her life. But you've had some crazy stuff happen in the last couple of years. And mm. so if you don't know who she is, um, you should check her out. There's lots of places you can YouTube her and... What's your, uh, so tell people about the, the different links with, um, the stuff that's happened in the last year or two of your life. Yeah. So, um, I was diagnosed about a year and a half ago with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a lot of videos and, um, posts about the journey. If you want to watch along with those videos, they can watch me at youtube.com forward slash Jen Rosenbaum. Um, I also have an Instagram account, Jen Rosenbaum, and I talk a lot about it and share images and my journey there as well. Yeah. And if you misspell Rosenbaum, it'll probably just correct you or like tell you. It's with what. a Z. It's yeah. with a Z, guys. R-O-Z-E-N-B-A-U-M. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, so there's, we didn't want to kind of rehash all that stuff and, and just be like, hey, so tell us your story because you've told that story a lot. Yeah. Um, one of the really cool things about the Goat Rodeo and one of the things that we've tried to do on every episode is just to talk to interesting people that we know. Um, and I feel like I, I don't know about you. Like, I feel like unfairly lucky that we know the people that we know. Um, and just like the upper echelon of like society in business and in photography and all those things. Like, so thanks for coming on for one, but two is just, I feel like aside from being a photographer and a great business owner, there's a lot more to what's going on in your life and what has happened in your life. So we wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about that and just, um, whatever you feel like sharing. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks um, for being had. Yeah. <laughs> Dad <bomb>. jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, you know, one of the um, things that I really like to emphasize when we're talking in a forum like this, where there's mm. business owners or, you know, entrepreneurs or creatives is that, you know, we all go through can I curse on your podcast? Yes. Okay. We all go through. I love that you thought to ask. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always ask because you never know. We all go through shit in our lives, right? That's like, not really a cuss word. Just okay. so you know. I'm That's just like a bit, mom cuss word. I am just warming up here. Please. <laughs> um, you, you know, everybody goes through hard times. And I think that um, we all have moments of like, well, what am I going to make of this hard time? Is it mm. going to crush me or am I going to crush it? Yeah. Is it going to build me as a person or is it going to knock me down? And I think that we've all experienced at least a little bit of both. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm superwoman, And every time, you know, a hurdle comes my way, I'm like, yay, I'm going to be stronger <laughs> after this. Like, yeah. There's definitely setbacks also. But I think that when you go through trauma, like cancer or other things, I mean, you know, I, I can only speak from my experiences, but we we all go through things. Um, it could really build you up as a person and it depends what you make out of the situation, you yeah. know? And listen, I, in fairness, I was lucky. I knew that my cancer was treatable. Um, so 
I didn't, you know, people always say like, oh, did it change you to have a near-death experience? I'm like, yeah, I don't really think I had a near-death experience. I wasn't ever near death at any point. (laughs) You know, I had a life-threatening experience, but it wasn't a near-death experience. But it still changes you as a person. It changes your perspectives. And, you know, when you do hard things now, like I say to myself all the time, this isn't the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. You know, where I do a scary thing. I'm like, this isn't the scariest thing I've ever done. So it changes your, you know, your perspective on things. Do you feel like the the fact that you, at least you thought you knew that it wasn't life-threatening made you approach it differently? <sighs> like looking back on it, had had they said, it's a good good possibility you're going to die. Oh, yeah. I would have definitely been different. Um, In what ways? I mean, I would have, um, you know, I I took the opportunity, you know, listen, I'm a boudoir photographer and I had a mastectomy, right? Mm-hmm. There is no, there's an irony in that that's not, you know, coincidental. There's a reason why that happened. I fully believe that. So my, when I first decided I was going to have a mastectomy, I was like, okay, well, obviously this has to serve a purpose. I'm going to go public about it. I have a large female audience. I have the opportunity to educate people on how to find cancer, how to handle cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's the thing. You really, when you, and I didn't really realize this till way after, you just go into fight or flight, you know, right? right? You're just like, uh, well, of course I'm strong. Of course I'm positive. I'm in fight mode right now. The minute that fight mode stops, all of a sudden you go, the fuck just happened to me you know like oh my god so the adrenaline wears off yeah so the weird thing is like i was diagnosed uh july of 2017 and i went through treatment and surgeries up until the end of 2017 so Mm -hmm. 2018 the only thing that i did i'm still being treated in some ways but the only main thing that i did was i had reconstructive surgery right so in theory you would think oh 2018 you had a full year without treatment you had a year to get your life back together and i would say for me my year fell apart even more at that point, um, you know, that was 2018 was a very, very tough year for me, even harder than when I had cancer. But I had um, when I to answer your question, to go back <laughs> to answer your question, when I first was told, OK, well, you're not going to die from this. You know, we're going to yeah. treat it and you're going to be OK, at least not today. Mm-hmm. OK, I, I like to knock wood on that one. <laughs> um I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to continue my business. I'm going to continue my purpose. I'm going to continue to get out of bed. I'm going to continue to be the mom and the wife and continue my life. If somebody said to me, well, you have three months to live, God forbid, fuck all that. Pack your bags. (laughs) We're going around the world, you know, like we're we're going to make something of this. Um, So yeah, it is a different experience, but um, I'm grateful for this life-threatening experience versus the near-death experience because I, I really believe in something called the deathbed rule. You know, like I I try to live my life backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm on my deathbed tomorrow, God forbid, am I, can I look back at my life and go, I did everything I wanted to do. Right. I took risks. I made the right decisions. I spent time with my family. You know, I'm leaving the legacy that I want to live. So now, like I said to my husband, these bucket list items we have, we're not waiting for those. Right. We're going to start working on those now, you know, or just risks like I just decided to open another studio and I really didn't even question it. It was just like, I decided on a Thursday on Friday, I signed a lease and now I'm opening another studio and people are like, wow, you're so brave. I'm like, that's not brave. Yeah. You know, it's like, does that's it, just, uh, does it feel like it's not as big of a risk now? Yeah. You've had this other yeah, experience. Totally. Well, that was, and that was going to be my question is, do you feel like, um, even though it didn't like, we have to go to Australia now. Like, do you feel like it pulled you into a different set of prioritizing what you are doing? Yeah, it does. And it's, um, I'm not going to lie to you. It sounds like even when, as we talk about it now, it sounds awesome, right? Like, wow, you're kind of lucky that you have that perspective. It's a mind fuck. Like you, 
every day you're like, is this really what I want to be doing? Is this where mm. I want to be living? Is this the person I want to spend my time yeah. with? Is this healthy for me to eat? Is uh, this, yeah, you constantly yeah. question. Is this going to give me cancer? Is this going to give me cancer? Is that, I sit, you know, I used to get my nails done like once a week, like avidly, right? And now every time I sit and I get a manicure, I'm like, is this giving me cancer? Is yeah. this poison? Am I breathing in the, na-? you know, like right. there's a paranoia that yeah, goes yeah, along yeah. with all of these things also that I think nobody really talks about. Like every, everybody talks about having cancer. Yeah. Nobody talks about really the real true fallout from having cancer. If you go online and you look up stories, people talk about, um, you'll, you'll see stories from people who are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see some success stories, but for the most part, the people that are living their lives are not online talking about it. They're out living their lives. So for me, I wanted to kind of marry the two, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not struggling every day. Um, I'm not still ill, although I do have, things that I'm still working on getting my health back together um, and I'm still being treated and I'm on medication. So it's that messes with my body. Um, but, you know, I, I try to marry the two where I say, OK, you know what? I'm not really struggling. And I want to talk about that experience because I think people don't understand, like I said, the mental fallout that happens after the right. physical fallout. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, um, is is could you talk a little bit about why 2018 was so hard for you? Because I think most people think oh, I get diagnosed with cancer or somebody I know got diagnosed with cancer, they immediately think like that's going to be the hard part, mm-hmm. right? Is like dealing with cancer. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's it's like then, then what? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I liken it to a tornado. You know, I've never been in a tornado, but I've seen enough but on TV. Like a good analogy. I've seen on TV. <laughs> you know, you go, you, a tornado's coming, right? You mm-hmm. go underground, you hide, which is treatment, mm-hmm. right? That's like, okay, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to do what I need to do to survive. Yeah. And then when I come out... I have no idea what's going to be there. Either your house will be standing and the yeah. hurricane, you know, the tornado missed you. But if the tornado hit you, which is really what cancer is, you'll see your house, right? You'll see bathroom tiles over there and you'll see your car and you'll see your roof shingles, but they're not where they used to be. Mm-hmm. And your house is not livable anymore. And you can build it back up probably even better than it was before. But first you have to deal with that, that disaster. Yeah. And that is exactly what post-cancer life is like for me mm-hmm. I don't ever not you know everybody's different some people are really just like I beat it not you know for me um I dealt with a lot of anxiety and depression mm-hmm. afterwards um self-image issues um you know accepting my new body and relationship issues like every single person I have a relationship with because you're like hmm I don't think I like your attitude. It's pretty negative, and I'm not so sure I want to be around you anymore. You know, like, and I didn't even realize it before, but now all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Your tolerance for things changes. Um, Things that I used to be able to absorb or just, like, put up with, all of a sudden, I can't do it anymore. I just can't. And it's like an, it's like a... it's like a, you you have no choice. Your body reacts in a different way than it reacted before. It's like that fight or flight really got super sensitive. And it's like, whoa, negativity, I'm out of here. You know, I can't right. do it. Um, you know, I've had to learn. I mean, I used to go to the gym six days a week. It's still a struggle for me. Um, you know, I've changed my diet. I've cha- I mean, there's nothing that was before. Untouched. And you have to deal with that missing the person you were before like I could I feel emotionally even just saying it it's like there's times I'll see a picture and I'll be like oh that was me pre-breast cancer like that was that's I don't know who that girl is anymore you know um sorry I'm getting emotional I don't want to but um both physically yeah both (laughs) physically and emotionally I don't recognize that woman anymore um what do you what do you mean by that um 
she led such a simple, easy life and she didn't know it, you know, and that, and that's one of the things I like to tell people, like you're living, um, a life where you're not touched by these things. It's hard to appreciate it. You don't know what you have until it's lost. So that, that woman was, um, strong and she was cool and she was fearless and she started a business and she did all these amazing things, but she, she wasn't like I am now, you know, she just doesn't, ha- didn't have that skill set that I have now. So I don't recognize her or even worse. Sometimes like I'll post an old photo for something and somebody be like, wow, you look so beautiful. I'm like, yeah, that's because it was pre-cancer. You know, it's like, there's, there's a lot, it's difficult for me to look at old pictures. So it's not like you're not looking back like, oh, I miss that girl. Like, I wish I was still that girl. It's like, you didn't, you don't recognize her in that. She didn't even know what she, yeah, I mean, correct, correct. I miss her body, (laughs) you know, like I, it's, I, I sometimes look back and go, man, what did she do wrong? You know, like there's, there's like a shame or a guilt. Like, what did she do wrong? How did she, cause listen, I took care of myself, right? Like I went to the gym. I was never overweight. I didn't drink a lot. I went to yoga. I drank the green juice. I did all the things that you're supposed to do. Yeah. And it happened anyway. So it's like, sometimes I look at her, I feel bad for her. You know, like I want to hold her and be like, you didn't do anything. It's okay. Mm. But in my mind, I'm still like, what did I do? How did this happen? Dude, that's been so, and I don't know if you've experienced this with like your fitness weight loss journey stuff, but like such a mind screw to, to like have to reprioritize why you're doing things. Um, and like, I, I went to the gym every day solid for like a year and I gained 10 pounds. And I, at the end of that summer, I was like, I sat down, I was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing wrong? Why am I doing this? Um, and it was really hard once I started to, to lose weight outside of working out to find my reasoning for going back to working out, you know, but once it became part of like, I have a body and I'm happy that my muscles work and like, I'm enjoying, you know, just being able to do fitness with my friends. And like, once it transferred to like, and this is really, I think what it comes down to is that prioritization is what she's crying. (laughs) Sorry. Allie's a silent crier in the background. My friend Allie's here. I made her cry. Sorry, Allie. You don't have to apologize to make people cry. We have tears for a reason. It's because they need to happen. Now she's going to make me cry back. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're story. totally fine. Yeah. But I'm, that's, it, I think you touched on something that's incredibly vital to our life is that this isn't about like doing the right things or not doing the right things or eating the right food or not eating the right food or like who that girl was that was naive or now more educated. Yeah. It's realizing that like our number one priority is to put things in their proper place. Because when you put them in their proper place, when you put your family in the place it needs to be, when you put your relationships in the place they need to be, when you put your health in the place that it's part of your body and it's part of your life, it like it helps you be healthy in all the areas. You yeah. know? And listen, I still I'm still struggling with it in the way that um, so like I'm on a medication they just started me on that put me into menopause. Mm-hmm. Well, like all those things I say about menopause are 100 percent true. All of a sudden your weight shifts or you gain weight. It's impossible to lose weight. And my body has changed a lot in the last few months. Maybe not to the outside eye, but to me has definitely changed. And I'm struggling with it and I hate it. And it makes me feel old and it makes me feel fat. And I, you know, you, you look in the mirror and you're like, I don't recognize this woman. I don't understand. Like I used to know what fit me or what would look good. And now it's like. Oh, I can't, I can't stand it. And there was even a brief moment, and I will admit this out loud, that I was like, I cannot believe I'm going to WPPI looking like this. You know, like, how gross, how terrible. People are going to laugh at me. People, you know. And that then was I, the first time I thought when I saw you. It was right, like, yeah, Bleh. I'm sure. <laughs> but there, but listen, this is what women, I, it's hard, it's a little it's hard for me to women. talk to you. Listen, I know, no, it's, women, it's it men too, women. I know, I know it's, it's men too. like people don't realize, yeah. like, that is people. 
but you know, I, I have to remind myself there, the message is bigger than that, you know, and what I'm here to do and what I'm here to teach and to share is bigger than the five pounds that I put on, you and know, you're not a body like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but you know, it's been, I've, it's been hard for me to, um, come to terms with that in a way, because I'm not a body, but my body's in control. If my body decides one day, you know what, we're giving into the cancer, then my soul has no fight against that. You know, it does. What are you talking I'm about? saying in the end, like if somebody said to you, you know what, you're sick, that's it. You have three months to live and there's nothing that you can do about that. You're, you know, there's times that the body goes way before the soul is ready. And so, you know, you're trying to sort of live in this temple that you're trying to take care of and you're trying to love on. And yet at the same time, it can be your enemy at times. You know? So I've had yeah. to really un- like change my script in my head and go, okay, it's not the, your body's not the enemy. The cancer's the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, your body just can't fight it for whatever reason. So have sympathy for it and yeah. let's do what we can do to strengthen the body so it can fight it. If God forbid it comes back. Jen, one thing that I've been, I don't, I don't even know what the right word is. One thing I've really, I've noticed you're, you're very public about all of this. Yeah. What was the catalyst in that allowing you to be so public? Because it's such a private thing. Yeah. Like no one understands what you're going through inside. And to put that out there, I mean, you were saying before that you don't feel like you're brave. It's a very brave thing to do, like to have that amount of vulnerability and put it out into the world. What brought you to that point of saying, I need to put this out there? Um, for me, if the disease did not have a purpose, then it was just illness. And I really needed it to have purpose. And, you know, I found my own cancer through self-detection, even though I was being monitored every six months for other things. I had nothing to do with that, actually. Um, so I felt like, well, if I found it myself, then there's other women out there that it's a, it's a ticking time bomb. They have to know because it didn't feel like a lump. It didn't feel like what they teach you to feel like, you know, to feel and I was like, if I was that naive, because I felt it for weeks before I saw the doctor, I was kind of like, ah, it doesn't feel like what they tell you, you know? And I'm like, you know what? If I'm taking care of myself and I'm healthy and it happened to me, it can happen to anybody. And I need to inform the world of that. What I didn't expect was to take them along in the journey, um, but they asked for it. Um, and they and they still, I still, every single day, get comments on my YouTube videos or emails or direct messages from people that are like, I watched your videos. You helped me so much. Thank you for making me not feel alone. And what I realized was cancer is an extremely lonely disease. And it's so weird because it's like you have so much support from everybody. However, they are not on that table with you. They are not getting the needles with you. You know, they might be standing next to you and holding your hand. And even the closest people, your spouses, your family, your parents, your kids, at the end of the day, when you're being wheeled into that operating room, you are alone. And what happens is you you start to try to manage other people's emotions. I know I don't want to upset my husband. He's going through enough. I don't want to tell him how crappy I feel today. So I'm just going to shut my mouth and go into my corner. And he on the other side will be saying, well, I don't want to stress her out with problems in the house. So I'm just going to shut my mouth and retreat to my corner. Right. And before you know it, in everybody's corners. in their own corners. Yeah. And the only people that I really found solace in at that time were other cancer patients because we all knew what we were going through. Yeah, um, we're all alone together. And you don't want to be a burden on people yeah. and you don't want to keep complaining about the same thing. So it can be very lonely. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm lucky though. I have a support system and I have other people I can talk to. What if somebody doesn't? How do they make it through this? This is terrible. It's terrible on your bank account. It's terrible on your business. It's terrible on your, your relationships. Like I need to be the voice to, if somebody doesn't have have somebody they can come at least watch me or reach out to me and I will answer them what is it about human beings that makes you feel like a burden on others yeah I don't know a huge support system around you I was just gonna say it's um 
like we've talked to people in all this, all kinds of different situations. And like, we have friends who are, I mean, they don't have cancer. They just like, can't seem to f- figure out the relationship with their kids or like, but they don't have kids. They just can't seem to be like happy being married. And mm-hmm. it's like, life is a lonely venture can be. But I think that's the weird part is like, is, is nothing changed. Like you did not have cancer. Mm-hmm. You just didn't have cancer alone anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like, and it wasn't even like, you had people coming to your house or stopping by. It was just, it was the mental realization that you weren't alone. Yeah. And then other people echoing that back to you, you yeah. know? And it's like, and I think that's such an incredible concept to me that your situation never changed. Like nothing about it got better. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you, you shared your story and then you were like miraculously healed. You still went through all the shit, mm-hmm. but like going through the shit, is different than going through the shit by yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was healing for me too. And it was really nice to, listen, it was also a distraction. Like I would have chemo and I'd be really upset or, and I'd be like, well, you know what? I have to get up and shower today because I'm going to make a video. So it like gave me purpose, even to just get out of bed and do something in the day. Um, So that really helped me. But it's also really helped me. um, I look back at the video sometimes now. It's funny because I I do a lot of teaching and I do a lot of video work. I never watch my own videos. It's like cringeworthy. (laughs) But these videos I do because I want to always remember what it felt like to be scared like that. Because that is that is like that key ingredient that can change your life. Mm -hmm. And the minute you put your guard down on that and you forget that you just go back to the doldrums and you go back to like sort of every day and, and not remembering, you know, I call, I call it getting fat. Like, so this is applicable. Like, um, one of my favorite rappers, Andominio talks about like, he, he kind of made it and like, he stopped being hungry Yeah, because he got fat. You yeah. know, it's like he started just, it wasn't like, he wasn't driving and hustling. Like when he was recording stuff in his closet, Right. it's like, same thing as like you you start to make it into business and like you're kind of successful like you you if that was the reason you were doing it was to make money and now you're making money it's like you get you get kind of fat you don't have yeah. any exercise so like that the thing it's i feel like it's you can't not do that right it, or you can right. you'll just what what you said about having purpose for it is like it didn't just give you purpose. It gave you a place to exercise. Yeah. It gave you a place to exercise what you were caring about and like what you were doing and what you were focusing on. And listen, if we're being totally honest, it's completely on brand with what I do. <laughs> I mean, and I don't even mean that like in a, in a sleazy business no, way. What I mean is if I didn't to... step up and I wasn't public about yeah. it, then I'm not authentic and right? I claim to be authentic Yeah. and I'm going, all right, you well, to, like I eat I, your own cooking. But yeah, like yeah. I said, I'm a boudoir photographer who now has to have a mastectomy. How do I not talk about that? Right. That's it's, Obviously, it was given to me for a purpose, and I have to do that. You know. Well, that I don't think you take. I don't think you take credit in how much you like you being you was important to all that happening. Like because everybody has that opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like lots and lots of people have these opportunities every day, just in like a normal day to day life thing of like stepping up and being present, or stepping up and saying something, or stepping up and like being vulnerable. Yeah. Like everybody has the opportunity to choose how they feel about things and what they're going to do about it. You just happen to choose what you wanted to do about it and actually do it. You yeah. know? So it's like, it is an incredible amount of, of courage, but I think people think of courage as like something that's like outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, like, you're like, I'm going to be courageous. Right. Today. Right. right. I'm going right. to get some courage and do this. Like it, it, it's really, it is just making consistent decisions with your core beliefs. Yes. You know, it isn't something that's like inside of Jen Rosenbaum that like, 
she possesses courage unlike other humans. Right. Yeah. I don't. You just I don't consistently feel that. made the decisions and stepped into it. Yeah. At any point, you had the option to just give up. Right. right. Or turn the camera off. Right. And there's listen. There have been times that I have. Sure. There have been times where I'm like, okay, this is too much for for me to handle right now. Yeah. But when I'm ready to talk about it, I will. Yeah. 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 Um. So I want to step back just a second. And you said something that just kind of stuck out in my brain, and I don't want to gloss over it. Is, um, can you just step back and talk a little bit about you were saying um it was right when you were starting to get emotional when you were talking about um how girls like i'm trying to remember exactly what you said the wording but the idea basically the idea that like you you worry about if um i'm gonna have to edit this out now because now my as soon as i started body image as soon as i started to say it, it was like Oh yeah. You, so you were talking about like how you didn't recognize that girl, but like then I, that idea like transformed into another version of like, I don't recognize that girl, um, from like a like almost like a, that girl was, I've grown so much since then to now like a, your body feels like it's kind of revolting against you. Mm -hmm. Um, what blessing has that brought to your life? Like, what is that? What goodness has come from you standing in front of a mirror physically and being like, I don't, know who that person is because it's weird because the older you get it's not like your brain gets old you know i still think about myself as like a 18 year old kid right but my body is getting old like my hair is thinning and like my skin sags in weird ways and like joints hurt and like how does what has that blessed you with to to be able to separate your identity or Hmm. who you are from that stuff i think that that's a Interesting question because I'm still in the thick of that right now. Yeah. Um, I think it has helped me um, in in a lot of self-improvement ways and that I've really had to form a lot of gratitude, mm. you know, and, and go back and just say to myself, you know what? I don't want to be like the girl before who didn't appreciate her body the way she should have before they started chopping it up. You know, I want to be the girl who is still is OK with her body and loves her body and is OK with being in it. You know, um, I don't know. The the aging process is interesting because we go through it gradually. Mm-hmm. But in my case, they started rapidly, you know, making it happen. And in a matter of, you know, menopause could take years. In a matter of three months, I was in menopause. So it's mm-hmm. like a very rapid change. Um, and it does change your mood and your it, it changes a lot of things in your, your mental capacity, not just hormones and not yeah. just body. So I think I'm still very much in it trying to find that gratitude and trying to find, you know, and, and self-discovery of really who I am, what I'm capable of and what the best version of me actually looks like. Yeah. You know, where maybe it used to be, oh, I really want a six pack. Maybe now a six pack isn't just, you know, isn't so important, but, you know, eating very healthy and taking care of myself and getting enough sleep is really important now, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I'm still working on that. I think that, what, that are, self-discovery. what are some of the things that you're doing to work on it? Like, do you have anything, any practices that you're like? These are regular parts of my daily life because I know that that's important. Yes. I don't, I can't explain to you what happened, but January 2nd of this year, I woke up and I was just like, I'm done. I'm done feeling sorry for myself. I'm done, you know, being a victim. I am, I am going to beat this finally and beat this meaning. Yes. I'm not, I have no disease right now, but I'm still living like a cancer patient. I'm still thinking like a cancer patient and I'm done with that. So, um, I started eating totally differently. Um, I started exercising six to seven days a week, which I had not done since before I had my surgery, even with, you know, cause I have limitations and whatnot. I started taking, um, 
Thai kickboxing, Muay Thai, which is such a great outlet for me, both physically and mentally, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. Every once in a while, one of the girls was, that I'm fighting with will be like, are you angry at somebody <laughs> today? And You're I'm like, like, I'm from New York. Right. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm always angry. I'm like, you have no idea, sister, what I have inside this little body of mine, you know? Um, but yeah, those, those things are really important. And to be much more intuitive, because, you know, there's things that were going on that I didn't realize. I always thought I was intuitive, and I was, but I think when you start having surgeries and medications and whatnot, it just messes with your head. Mm-hmm. There were things like um, after my surgery, I was craving oramges, oranges. I just wanted oranges all the time. Mm-hmm. And now I'm reading all this about how vitamin, vitamin C. C helps with cancer, right? Or even recently, I started um, craving mushrooms and greens. I don't know why my husband was like, what is wrong with you? Every like three days, you're making this huge batch. Of, I'm like, I don't know what it is. I'm just craving it. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then I was reading this book recently that a friend gave me called Never Fear Cancer Again. And in one of the chapters, he talks about mushrooms and greens. Something about them together helps with breast cancer. And I was like, what? That's crazy. So, you know, it sounds minimal, but this intuition that tells you when you need sleep, what you need to eat, yeah. what you need to do, who you need to be around. That's like, I've given it a little megaphone and been like, okay, guide me, please, because right. I'm ready for that. It's a thousand little pieces that put together the puzzle. It's, it's a, we're so good at shutting it up. We're yeah. so good at no, being no, no, like, oh, not, be quiet. You don't need that I don't right think now. we're good at, so and this is becoming like a regular theory in my brain of like, I don't think we're nearly as, as non-intuitive as we think we are or deaf. We just are so distracted in mm-hmm. our regular lives. And, like, that's what we've been talking about with our family is this idea of, like, distraction with, like, social media. Social media is not bad. Like, phones aren't bad. They, they brought incredible things to our life. But, like, I found myself when I broke my phone for three days, I felt like I was, like, so keenly aware of everything that was happening yeah. around me. And Because I you. wasn't, yeah, I wasn't distracted. You. Yeah. But that's, maybe that's a big thing is, is part of it. Um, I remember hearing this story, and this is on topic but weird, um, talking about, like, people who got, like, stranded on rafts, like, mm-hmm. in the ocean is they catch fish and they're like craving like the eyeballs. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the nutrients that were in those pieces and parts that their body wanted that salt or they wanted that, you know, the, the vitamins and minerals that were in those things. And it's like, it's the weirdest thing ever to like want to eat a fish eyeball or to want to eat like the liver of an animal, but their bodies needed it and wanted it. And I think, um, just, I don't know, just that awareness of yourself, um, is such a huge component that, things like this. And you mentioned before we start talking, you were talking about just doing hard stuff is like, I think we, it's interesting to watch how people shy away from doing hard things because they're hard. But in doing that, what they're trying to do is, is have satisfaction and fulfillment. But you don't realize that like in shying away from the hard things is what you're actually doing is robbing yourself of the ability to feel fulfilled Mm -hmm. or the ability to feel satisfaction. Because what are you going to be satisfied in? The fact that you like got a nap like right. i mean how many times have you taken like an uh extra sleep like man i'm just so exhausted and you sleep extra like you don't wake up like oh i feel so refreshed it's like you wake up more tired <sighs> yeah like i didn't get anything done and i'm tired you yeah know? yeah it's it's a, sh- it's a shifting of the brain it's mm. it's being able to say to your brain you know what this is hard but there's going to be something great on the other side of this and you know it's this if is nothing else it's that it's over <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, I used to, I used to run a lot. I hated running, hated it. Like leading up to running, (laughs) I hated, hated, hated. But (laughs) that feeling when you're done with it overrode the feeling of hating, right? So it's like you have to just remind yourself in those moments, okay, I know I'm going to feel good at the end of this. I know it's going to make me grow. I know it's going to be helpful, you know, but it's, it's working on your brain. Your brain's a muscle just like everything else. Yeah, it's good. I was just going to talk about, just say that. Yeah, your brain is a muscle just like everything else. But even that is like coming to an understanding of like 
you work muscles because they're muscles and it's good to work them. It's like, it's, it's good for you. Mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't have to be like a, this proved in this study and somebody read on the Facebook post about that. It's like, it's just good. Muscles are intended. I mean, the very skeletal structure of your body is they're built to move. Mm -hmm. They're built to the way that your body heals itself is through movement and the way that your body renews blood cells is through movement. So it's like, yes. But if you go into it thinking like every time, like what's the purpose of this and you assign the purpose wrongly, I'm doing it because I need to get huge. And then you're not getting huge. You'll stop doing it. Mm -hmm. But if you do it because of like a longer term, like a, I'm, I want to eat better because I want to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Not because like, I think I'm going to lose weight or be good in these genes. It's like, I just want to enjoy my life while I have it. My stepdad always says he wants to be as alive as long as he's alive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, he doesn't want to be a 90 year old that's spent 20 years in a nursing home. He wants to be a 90 year old. Who's still able to use his body and live. I say this all the time. There's a difference between being alive and feeling alive. Right. And that's really the goal is to feel alive. Yeah. I don't want quantity of life. I don't care if I live to 70 if I live to 70, I don't want to live to 90 just to exist for the last 20 years. Yeah. But that doesn't happen if you don't, it's the same. It's your muscles. Don't they atrophy. If you don't use them, your brain is the same thing and your, and your psyche and your mindset. Yeah. What were you going to say? Sorry. I didn't mean, to I know that we, you touched on this briefly in the very beginning and then we kind of took a hard left, but <laughs> I'd like to hear a little bit about how your relationships have changed mm. after going through this. You said that, your perspective changes yeah like maybe your patience for people changes a little bit yes what does that look like <laughs> and i just i'm just imagining like the the amount of f's that you have to give to things have been severely diminished yeah. i mean it didn't give me more patience for anything <laughs> i'm just gonna say that it, right did, did it, not give did me it more just patience give you proper pri- like priority over like not putting up with shit yeah it makes it much easier to walk away yeah. much easier to walk away um it's, I've had to fix a lot of relationships in my life. I've had to really set up boundaries and put my foot down about, you know what? I used to tolerate that. I'm not doing it anymore. Mm. Sorry. Take it or leave it. You know, and I mean, and it's sa- it sounds mean and I never did it in a mean way, but, um, yeah, even in, in my marriage with my children, with my parents, with my brother, with with everybody, if there's something I don't like, I just can't be a doormat anymore. Mm. You know, um, I, it's just not going to happen. And again, I'm not mean about it, but you know, even, and especially in work relationships yeah. where I would be like, Oh, okay, well, I don't want to speak up or I don't want to be annoying. F that, you know, like, and you learn that also, by the way, from dealing with doctors so often, because, you know, as women, we're like, oh, I don't want to call again. <laughs> I didn't get an answer back. I don't yeah. want to be annoying. I'm like, fuck that. I'm sick. <laughs> I, gotta, I, need I need an answer. And you're going to listen to me. Yeah. And this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, um, th- and I want to say in this and I want to voice in this. And part of that is educating yourself as far as, you know, like people say to me, ultimately, how did you know? I'm like, I educated myself because I was not going to put my life in blindly into somebody else's hands. Yeah. So things like that, you know, where it's like, okay, I, you know, I don't have patience anymore for certain things. Like here's a, here's a great example. My plastic surgeon is a dick. He's the greatest plastic surgeon at Memorial Stone Kettering. Shout out to you. If you're listening, you know who you are. Your bedside <laughs> manner is terrible, right? Bedside manner is terrible. He's a jerk. He says not nice things. And I know that about him, but I also know he's the best. So I said, okay, I'm going to consciously make this decision to go in Just and I'm going to use him. him. No, I am not dealing with that. Oh. I make sure that he knows, he knows I am not going to deal with your bad fucking attitude. Yeah. I, I have had a bad day. You yeah. cut my breasts off. Like you have no right to be upset with me right. or mean to me or whatever. And I don't, I don't allow for it. And I, I have found one way or another, either to make him laugh or when the nurses come in first, I will say, listen, I'm sensitive today. Please ask Dr. 
C, I'm not going to say his name, Dr. C to be kind to me today because I have questions and he's going to be short with me and I will not be happy with that. You know, like standing up for yourself, um, not feeling sorry, sorry, I'm inconveniencing, you know? There's times I drive two hours to see him and he sees me for 30 seconds. I go, oh no, doctor, turn around. I have more questions for you. And I, it took me two hours to drive here. I know you're busy, but so am I. Yeah. You know, things like that. You know, it's like you have, you realize, okay, you know what? I never really, for me at least, set up boundaries properly before. I always was the one that was like, oh, it's okay. I'm sorry. You know, I'll deal with it. Everyone. I'm going to put out the fires. I think it's my job to make everybody happy. You know, it's not my job to make anybody happy. Everybody's got to find their own happiness. It's and job I to can- make you happy. Correct. And if I'm happy, everybody else will be happy, by the way. I was just going to say, <laughs> spoken like a true wife. Listen, it's true. I'm sorry. But it's well, true. so this is what I was going to ask you is like, do you feel like not only has that given you a freedom, obviously, but what do you feel like that's done for the quality of like the happiness of your life? Um, well, yeah, it's definitely changed because it's, uh, I no longer do things I don't want to do. Um, and it's, you know, really to answer your original question, it's actually also brought me closer to some yeah. people. That's you know, what I was going to say. We talk, yeah, yeah, well, we talk about um, before about not wanting to feel a burden on somebody. Mm-hmm. And when I was first diagnosed, my best friend said to me, the hardest part of this is going to be for you to ask for help when you need it because yeah. it's not what you do. You're the helper, not the right. helpy. And I was like, no, you're right. But you know what? I did. I found, I said, you know what? I'm going to ask my neighbor down the street if she can pick up my kids for the carpool. And it's not what I want to do. I want to show everybody that I can do it all, but I need it right now. I can't get out of bed today. And the the irony is when you ask people for help or you lean on people, it actually brings you closer because they feel part of your journey now. Um, So the people that I was close with, I got closer with. The people on the outskirts that That kind of had, I was like, we're done. We're finished. Like this is, I don't don't dislike you. I just don't want to spend my time pretending like, we're, you know, we're besties. Right. Like I just, I even had one friend who basically <laughs> said to me, your, your shit is just too heavy for me to deal with right now. And I was like, peace out sister. That's, I don't know what yeah, to tell you. Totally like, cool. <laughs> totally fine. Right. You know, I, I mean, I have no patience or time for you either, by the yeah. way, if you're, that's it's how you're okay. going you know, It's yeah. okay. It's yeah, fine. It's okay. I wish you a happy life. Right. Stay out of mine. Right. I think that whole asking for help thing is, it's like, it's very big. So I, my wife, she had a deep melanoma mm-hmm. about, about 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I remember she had surgery on her back. It was right over her spine. So mm-hmm. it was pretty invasive surgery. And the hardest thing for her was asking for help. And I'm the type of person that if anyone around me is going through something, I want to help. Right. But I never know what to do. Right. It's like, yeah. oh, can I cook you some meals or can I yeah. clean up the house or pick up your kids? But really, I don't know what I can do to actually be of help. So to have someone just tell me, just yeah, yeah. say like, you know what? I'm going to ask for this help. everyone around you wants to be there for you. Oh, that's the thing. And so I realized also by giving people jobs, it made them feel important. It made them feel loved. It made them feel like they were loving me. And it made them like uh, have a power that was really helpful because like, especially my mother, for example, you know, like I found if I gave her a job and she was busy and she was doing something, it was good. If she wasn't, then she was calling me every five minutes to see how I was feeling, you know? (laughs) And although I love that, that's very sweet of her. I was kind of like, mom, please, I can't sleep because you're calling me every five minutes, you know? Stop asking me. Right. Exactly. How are you? How are you? I'm fine. Stop asking me. Yeah. So it definitely um, connects people. There are definitely people in my life I got much closer with. That I know, And then they know they can count on me, too, because I was, you know, they were there for me and I would do anything for them. So I, we, I've had this conversation in this way in the past week with my daughter, but also like in numerous times with my wife is is she's we've come through this situation like numerous times. She's like, I just I want to feel like you care about me. And I'm like, here's the thing is ultimately my goal in life is for 
you to be feel loved and be happy. If I don't know how to do that intuitively, I'm going to guess. Mm -hmm. And if I'm guessing and it's wrong, it makes you feel even more unloved because then it makes you feel like I don't know you and I don't want to love you. So I said, if you can get over the hump of like, just telling me what you want. Right. There's this sort of fantasy that women have that men should just know. What you should want. just, she <laughs> said, it's not, a, it is a legitimate, she just yeah. says, I just want you to, to know what I want right. to do. I just want you to love me. And I'm like, so what does that mean to you? Right. I was like, listen, if you wrote down five things, I would happily and like in abundance try to do those five things all the time. Cause I love you. I'm like, what you don't hear by the things that I'm trying to do is that I love you and I care about you and I'm thinking about you all the time because what you want is for me to come home and tell you the house looks nice or what you want. And I'm like, so tell me, I'm like, because when you give the opportunity and you give me a job, I can do the job. If I'm just guessing, like, I don't know what the fucking job is. I'm just like, keep applying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, are you hiring? They're like, this is a car wash. We (laughs) don't have anywhere to build things. Um, But then again, in my daughter's life this week is, is back to exactly what you just said is that, I told her one of the things, one of the hardest realizations for me coming out of high school and going into college and then leaving college and realizing like, I don't have any friends, not like people don't like me, not like I don't have relationships. I don't have any friends that like we keep in contact. And I started like, you know, kind of dissecting why that was in my life. And I honestly think it's because I wasn't open with people. Mm -hmm. I tried to be friends with people because I was funny or because I was a good musician. And I could work on their car or like, you know, I was good at talking to their, but like, I never had those deep conversations just like this is what's going on in my heart. And this mm-hmm. is what's going on in my life. And like, these are the things I need help with. Cause I never needed help. I didn't want to, I didn't want anybody to ever need anything as like, I look, you know, as psychologically analyzed, you know, like I, my dad, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to, whatever yeah. ultimately it came down to, I couldn't, they couldn't care about me cause I never gave them the chance mm-hmm. to, I never was open with them and talked about the shit that was hard for me. And then because of that, the only things they had to care about me were, is he at band practice? Is yeah. he funny? Is he in a good mood? Did he get his homework done? And like, once those things were gone, it was like, okay, well, yeah. the authenticity if I is... see you, I'll talk to you. But it wasn't like, I didn't seek you out. Yeah. Um, the authenticity is a tough one. People are but, just, they have their guard up. Well, but that vulnerability of you asking for help yeah, is like what you said. I think what you said is incredibly insightful that it gave them ways to care about you Mm -hmm. that you felt cared about, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Hey, it would really be helpful today. If you came home early. Yeah. I need some help with the kids. Okay. I'll make an effort to come home early. Like all of a sudden, like you feel valued. I feel like I'm doing something that's valuable and we're both happy. And all that took was you saying, I need you to come home early. And this is why, you know, it's like, it's hard. I mean, I, I recently I've had friends and family members go through hard things and you just want to swoop in and take away their pain and you yeah. can't. Mm-hmm. So I do, I say desperately, like, well, what can I do? What yeah. can I do? I yeah. need to, it's about me, <laughs> you know, like, and it is, and it isn't, you know, it's like, there's part of it that's like very self-serving. This is about me. I need to be a part of your journey. I love you. I want to take care of you, yeah. but it's also serving to them yeah. of like, please, I want to be connected to you. I want right. to, I want to help you. I want to lift you up right now. How can I do that? And I think but that's also having the awareness of knowing when to back off. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, is really, important. and that was, you know what, this was a great thing. One of my close friends in the beginning, when I was diagnosed said to me, you know what, I'm going to call you every day and I'm not going to ever ask you how you are. If you want to talk about it, I'm here. And if not, let's have some normalcy. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah. Cause I don't want to talk no about me all the time. To you, right. Yes. All of a sudden it feels like there's this you have elephant cancer. in the room Yeah, and right. you have to tiptoe around it or you, it has to be addressed. Right. And, and I found I was avoiding doing certain things. Like I, you know, we have a very t- 
tight knit community where I live. And there would be moments where like my son would have a lacrosse game and I'd be like, I don't want to go. You don't want to talk about. I don't want to. And my husband would say, why? I go, well, here's what's going to happen. One of two things. Either someone's going to talk to me about it and I don't want to talk about it today or they're not going to talk about it. Yeah. And then it's awkward. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, because then we're like not talking about the elephant in the room. Yeah, you know, if you do, damned if you exactly. Don't. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just choosing just not to be around out. people yeah. that I have that surface relationship with right now. My friends, I know I'll go and I'll sit and we'll bitch about, you know, the PTA meeting yesterday. But like, you know, the people I had that surface relationship with, that's where it gets kind of sticky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that 100%. Yeah. So if you could if you could give some advice to someone going through a hard situation um, on how to practice vulnerability or practice just openness, mm. because I think that's the thing that's the key in that aspect of like life is being able to open up so that people can care about you. Mm-hmm. They have something to care about beyond just surface level stuff like mm. If you had to look back on that stuff, do you feel like there's anything specific that you did that made it, it, I don't even like saying like made it doable. It's just, what are the practices that you did? Like, what were the the processes you went through that you were like, oh yeah, this is. I'm I'm going to tell you this, this is doable for everybody because people say to me, I don't know how you got through it. You have no choice. You have no idea what you're capable of. You have no idea what you're capable of. I'm sure that this is also not the hardest thing I'm ever going to have to go through, but you have no idea what you are capable of until you are put in that position to do it. Well, there's no reason to fight until you're forced into the corner. That's right. right. And you know what? Your mind doesn't let you, at least for me, it didn't let me go to those places. My mind just said, well, shut your face. Let's do this. Like I said, it wasn't until, right. It wasn't until (laughs) after that my mind went, wait, whoa, what? What are we doing? Right. So I had a conversation the other day. Like I said, I get, I get messages every day from people who are just diagnosed or supporting somebody else. It was a woman from my town who was just diagnosed. Her daughter told her about me and had her watch my videos. And she said to me, you know, I just do at the end of our conversation, she said, just do me a favor. Don't tell anybody because I'm going to keep this as quiet as possible. And I just said to her, you know, you're welcome to do whatever you want, but I really recommend to you that you find two to three people or even one person outside your marriage that you can talk to, that you can turn to when you're having trouble because you are going to go through dark days Mm -hmm. and you need somebody there. And even if it's a therapist, I don't care who it is, but there's no reason for you to be so secretive. Right. You know, and this is a thing. I don't know what it is. It's like when I went through infertility and I started my photography business 10 years ago, nobody spoke about infertility. It was like, I had a miscarriage and people were like, <gasps> you said the word out loud, you know, like, and then you we were don't like, talk oh my about God, these like things. All of my friends have had miscarriages. There's, right. Why yeah. is nobody talking about it? When I was first diagnosed, I felt so much shame. Like, what, what did I do to myself? Or mm-hmm. what did I do bad in my life that this is brought upon me? Or, you know, whatever, you start feeling shame. So I was really nervous in the beginning to tell people. In fact, I had one of my friends tell my friends because mm-hmm. I couldn't tell them myself. I was so nervous about it. Um, and, you know, you really, like, this this feeling of shame or guilt or whatever, It ha- it's a thing. And so people are like, well, I don't want to tell anybody else. Yeah. Why? Why are we holding yeah. this shame? Why are we, like... You know, because why we're is ashamed. It, yeah, but why is it like so shameful? You know, and then you come out and people are like, "Wow, you're so amazing! You're so brave!" I'm like, well, "What's stopping you?" Because you people also, are afraid of what's on the other side of the shame. Yeah, and then you also find out how many other people are going through this yes. right along with you. It's, it's similar to like alcoholism, yes. or drug addiction, and families. It's this thing that you don't talk about. Financial then as struggles. As soon as you do, yeah. you realize everyone around you yeah. experiences this too, and they have yeah. someone that they're close to. I mean, look at the Me Too movement is a perfect yeah. example, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, there's you could There could be a Me Too movement about basically everything. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, me too. But yeah. people are so like, oh, and sometimes you even meet that person where you 
divulge a little information and they are like, oh, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to push you down even further, Mm -hmm. you know, and raise myself up, but probably because they're going through the same thing too. And they don't want, you know, but it's, it's just crazy. People are so, they're always like, Jen, you're so authentic. You're so honest. I'm like, it's really not that hard. First, you have to stop giving a shit what other people think about you. That's number one. And that's hard. I don't find it hard. Maybe it's because I'm from New York, (laughs) but you know, I don't, I don't find it so hard. Um, (laughs) and I'm also vegan. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, You're Jewish. You're vegan. (laughs) You know, I, I don't find it that difficult because my feeling is if you're going to put something out, that's going to help even one person. If a hundred people hate me for it, that's their problem. If it helps one person, then it was meant to be. Um, but yeah, like I, it's not that it doesn't ever exist. I have moments like I've published a lot of self portraits and right before I do every single time I hold my breath and go, what is going to happen right now? Because, you know, it's, it's one thing to put it on Instagram and see, okay, everybody's going to see my chest, but it's another thing when your neighbor two doors down is like, oh, I saw your picture and wow, that's really intense. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm friends with your wife and this is weird. And like, you know. So there's certain moments of like, well, will my sponsors like this? Or will my parents have a feeling about uh-huh. it? Or how will my daughter react? You'll never or my... know unless you do. But I have to go, you know what? I don't really care. <laughs> At yeah. the end of the day. Who well, you do, but not as much. It's yeah. not because you don't care. It's just you care uh, You care more about the things that are actually important. Yeah, it's boundaries. I mean, when yeah. I first published, I wrote an article. Um, I wrote this through series of three articles for a, a local health website called The Well, if anybody wants to read them. and uh, They're really good. Thank you. And I'm going to be doing some more writing for them also. I actually won an award. I was super excited about that. That's not surprising. Um, But in the first one that I wrote, they showed, and I gave them the image. I don't know why I was so shocked, but they showed a self-portrait that I took of myself with my cell phone maybe a week after my mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And it was really kind of gnarly looking. And it shocked me to see it in the in the story. And I immediately wrote to them and said, I don't really know if I want to show that picture. And they were like, Jen, this is so powerful. Like without this picture... It's, yeah. it's not going to work. It's just words on a page. And I was right? like, I need like a day to absorb this. <laughs> so I went to my husband and I was like, I'm going to show this image. What do you think of it? And he was like, I think it's badass. You should totally do it. And I was like, I'm really worried about my parents. My mom knows me well, because as I was going through this process, she said to me, do me a favor at the end of this. Don't go showing your boobies all over the internet. Right. <laughs> so I was like, whatever, mom, you know? So I said, I said to myself, you know what? I need to. I need to tell my parents out of respect. I need to say something to them. It's not their decision. I'm 40 something years old. Like I don't need their permission. And this is a thing that I wouldn't have done before. Before I probably would have been like, I don't want to tip the scales. I don't want to upset them. So I'm just not going to do it. I went to my parents. I said, I need to talk to you. I want you to know I'm going to publish this picture. I'm not asking your permission, but I'm letting you know ahead of time so that you're not shocked when you see it. But it's really important to me to share this image to help the women out there because Mm -hmm. otherwise this is no purpose for me. And they were 100% supportive. And I'm sure my mother went home and said, oh my God, she's showing the boobies. And I told her not to share the boobies. But you know what? It's not their decision. It's not their story. It's not their path. It's not their They journey. raised you to be this girl, though. Right. It's their fault. It's a good one. I'm going to tell them They that. raised you to be this way. <laughs> and I think about this with my kids all the time. I'm not going to be shocked when my kids do things that are very, like, our oldest daughter is, like, just super headstrong. Yeah. It's not going to surprise me when she gets fired from a job for speaking her mind. I'll be disappointed. I'll be like, ah, I'll do the same thing. I'm like, why didn't you just shut up? But I'll be like, it doesn't, that's who you are. Like, why would you want to be anybody else? Where'd you learn that from? Right. Why would you want to be anybody else other than who you are? You know what I mean? (laughs) It's always your fault. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So that's, um, to kind of bring it all together. Yeah. Is is you got to, you have to only care about the. So if you're looking at this from a business perspective and I think about, I think about how 
correlated my personal life is with my business life is like, it's been the same thing with me of like taking risks in business is like, if I have, if I have any of that, like, I don't know, this is going to be, I know that's probably the price I need to press the hardest Mm -hmm. because that point of pain is what's going to get me to the next set of growth. Every time I've ever waited in a business decision because I was nervous or like, I'm not sure what I did was missed opportunity. Yeah. Listen, there's a difference between uh, the pain point and knowing if you push through the pain that there's beauty on the mm-hmm. other side and your gut telling you something is not right. And right, absolutely. That, that line gets very blurry. That's what I'm talking about, being mm-hmm. numb to that line. Yeah. Right now, for me, if I can find peace and quiet for even if it's three minutes a day and I can ask myself, what does this body need? What does this life need? What does mm-hmm. this business need? Whatever, the, you know, what does my relationship need? Whatever those questions are, I get the answers. Um, and when something doesn't feel right, I know it and I just go, I don't know why I'm saying no to this right now. It it's seems so, like a great opportunity, yeah. but it's not going to work right. for me at this moment. Right. And I don't feel bad about that at all. Right. So that, but yeah, there, that hesitation of like, of should I give this voice or not? Um, I, I remember I was watching a Gary Vee episode a couple of weeks ago and he said, I have, I wish people would just tell you their deepest secret because then it can be done and out of the way. And I had a really weird experience after college. I worked in a club and it was like, when you see people naked, it's you're when you see people naked or like semi nude, it's like all of a sudden that thing that's like, is like the, the mystery, the mystery. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like normal people with each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like then you're like, then you can, it's like you remove that layer of things that are normally like secret. And then they're like actually open with you about regular life stuff mm-hmm. because it's like you've seen me naked. Like who do you, you know? Yeah. What's it matter? Shed your clothes, shed yeah. your inhibitions. That's what I always say. It's, it's almost like it's it's almost like it's a business, right? <laughs> shed your clothes. Should you should make a business out of it. Right back in the boudoir. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it all comes back to the naked girls. I don't know. <laughs> or guys. <laughs> well, in my world, only yeah. girls. Only girls. Yeah. Um, so we do, we always play, we do this thing we call the full truth five, sure. um, just five random questions. Super mm, fun. Okay. And we just go back and forth. Um, it's, yeah, I was going to say, it's not like a, these don't necessarily take like deep philosophical meaning. Mm, okay. If you want to go there, you can, <laughs> but you don't have to. Um, so Jamie, you got you got yours pulled up. No. Okay. He was not ready at all. Jamie, um, prepared. Are you excited or nervous about this? Oh, I don't you're taking your shirt. I don't you're give a taking shirt. your coat off. So ah, it's getting hot in here. I was gonna say people can't see. I can't, I can't say you're taking your shirt no, off. No, I'm not taking my shirt off. I took my jacket off. I have my Just shirt a jacket. on. Just jacket. Still, still mostly. I keep clothes. the shirt on. <laughs> Usually. What's something that everyone has to do, but no one looks good doing it? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um something everybody has to do, but nobody looks good doing. Yeah, it. and this is not like a riddle. This is just in your in your opinion. Yeah. Chad says flossing. Oh, you're right about that. I say picking a wedge. People look stupid flossing. I think taking a selfie. Yeah. People always What's look it? freaking People stupid. People do it like idiots, right? Yeah, always. But you got to do it. What else are you going to put on Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> I get so mad at my daughters for putting pictures of their face as like 90% of their feed. And I was like, listen, I will pay you $20 <laughs> if for the next week you post things that are not your face. Right. I love your face. It's beautiful. <laughs> but like, I don't need to see. There's. No, I don't want to scroll and see your face yeah. in your feed. You haven't pulled up? No, I can't. Find oh, it. I can't even. Um, this is one that I always love is <laughs> several people. Would you rather be able to never trust your best friend or never trust your farts that is i don't even know what that means <laughs> what it's whatever mean? it means to you <laughs> i didn't know that there was any trust in farts to begin with to trust to lose your farts. It. Like, yeah, what does it, that even mean it means like you're not sure if this is <laughs> Allie <laughs> knows what it means <laughs> Allie, what's it mean to you you're gonna be on the podcast all of a sudden 
to never trust your farts as in like, you're not sure if this is going to be a fart or not a fart. Oh God. I, can I be honest? I've never yeah. had that problem. <laughs> so I really, can we move on to another question? Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's not a life experience that I've, right. I've endured. I'm sorry. Well, and I would be honest if I did, by the way, just for the record, I would totally tell you, but yeah, I don't, I thankfully to this point, to this have point not experienced life. that. Well, good. <laughs> what's, what's a, a TV channel that doesn't exist, but you wish that did. If you could make a TV channel exist. Oh my God. Why are you asking me such hard questions? These aren't hard. Just make I them don't up. Even watch, I don't watch TV. Well then. Oh, you well, know what I wish would exist? A, a positive news channel. A positive news channel? Yes. Where like, I don't have it to go and see Donald then, Trump's it? face every fucking day. It's not all death and destruction. Yeah. Like it's good news. It talks about the people are doing good in the world because there's so much good in the world. And yet all we see is terrible things on the news. And they are, the media has exaggerated so much of that and it changes our perception. And so if somebody could travel the world, I know myself to um, report on amazing, good, happy things. I would be I into that. I just watched a video yesterday. This guy's talking about uh, like psycho cybernetics and like your brain mindset conditioning. And he said, you experiencing something in a positive experience versus a negative experience is you're 31% more likely to remember it and reuse it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he's basically positive experiences or positive spins on things make you 31% smarter. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, here's a story I'm going to tell you that somebody told me. I'll probably botch the story. But when you talk about perception of positive or negative, uh, somebody told me this story that, let's say it was in Vietnam and there were these, um, there was this, uh, I don't know wh- who was on what side. We'll just make it up, right? There was this bus of Vietnamese, right? Mm-hmm. And then the American army was coming in to attack them and whatnot. And, but they were trying to be really quiet. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there was this baby crying. Right. And so what did they do? They surrendered the baby. The baby got killed. But no, but they didn't find any of the other adults. Right. So they saved 30 lives, let's say. Right. So you look at that and go, oh, my God, the baby died. That's terrible. It's a terrible. But there's also 30 lives saved. Yeah. Right. So is it a terrible? Is it actually a bad experience? Is it actually a negative experience? It's all about perception and how you look at it. Right. And, you know, we sometimes just see things for what they are or what they're being shown to us, but it doesn't mean that there's not a flip side to the story. Oh, there's always three sides of the stories, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you were arrested and there was was no reason given, what would your friends and family assume that it was for? <laughs> showing your, showing her boobies. <laughs> Definitely indecent exposure. <laughs> Definitely. I just love that in your mom's voice and in your mom's expression, she said boobies. Boobies. Yeah, definitely indecent exposure. That's so funny. Um, if you could size anything up to the scale of a horse, any animal, what's what would it be? What would be the coolest? Um, and I'm only counting this as four because we skipped the uh, friends one. Honestly, I don't think anything should be that big. That's an animal. I like small animals. <laughs> like, right? Aren't horses scary? <laughs> yes, horses yeah. are scary. What if you had a lizard, like a horse-sized lizard? That would be that would be, that'd be a dinosaur. What are you talking yeah. about? That's terrible. They ate us. No. <laughs> See, I'm with Jen on this. <laughs> that's a terrible thing. There's a reason them why. All down. Yes. Maybe I think that's it, what we should. What would what would be the coolest animal? Size to a poodle. Yeah, that's a way if you better. You could have impression. a poodle sized version a of giraffe, an animal. Giraffe, like a giraffe. How cute oh, would that be? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I want to see a, or like a, a poodle sized giraffe. Like a kangaroo. Now. Like we would just like, wouldn't you just have giraffe? Yeah. <laughs> that'd be amazing. Come see my pet giraffe. <laughs> and you just like carry around like a little Yorkie. Yeah. Oh, that'd be hilarious. That's be a, a way better question. That is a way better question. You're welcome. For you. <laughs> Um, I'm going to actually, I'm altering that right now to be like, or close it out with one more. Cause Jen has to get going. She's 
when you're on stage at 11. Yeah, I'll be so. on the Nikon stage at 11.30. All right, well, in that vein, what's one of the pre-work rituals that you do that no one knows about? Oh, God, I don't... I don't have any pre-work rituals what do i do pre-work like you're talking about like, like something that you do to get i don't yourself. jump on a trampoline like tony robbins or something do you guys um, have a talk no you, you flip like, your hair back and forth you like no usually what i do is gloss. finish my presentation like three minutes before <laughs> you're a procrastinator i am not a procrastinator i work best under pressure it's all about perception that was a beautiful reframe she's like no i don't procrastinate i just work better when i'm I purposely waited to the last minute because I know that's how I work the best. Yeah. (laughs) And there's no reason you'd want to put that pressure on yourself like a week before it was due. It doesn't work if it's a week before it's due. There's no pressure. There's no reason to want to do it. It's just like you have. So you don't have any, you don't have any things that you do, any weird habits that you're like, Allie, does she have any weird habits that she does before she gets on stage or before she goes photograph someone? (laughs) Change my outfit 15 times. That's not, Uh, that's not a ritual. That's just having a vagina. Yeah. I'm not sure you have to have a vagina to do that. But no, no, it's, I'm probably going to get in trouble. For that. <laughs> that, let's edit that, that one out. No. Um, most of the women I know in my life, I won't say that it's exclusive to only women, but most of no, the there's women. There's plenty I know of men. Life. Believe me. Yeah. Well, I was going to say a name, but I won't do that. There's other well-known photographers. I'm sure change their outfit yeah. multiple times oh, yeah. that, that have penises. Or I've been told. I haven't seen personally, but I've been told. Um, <laughs> I like how that got weird yeah. real quick. Like, let's not make any assumptions. Uh, no, I don't think I have any. <laughs> well, we've maybe covered we, penis and vagina. Right, maybe we, we should just cut this word, whole like... question out and ask another one. This is a weird this one. This is the <laughs> best one. Yeah, this is the best one. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any. That's why it's any... called the Goat Rodeo. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have any rituals. Can you just right? envision? That's when we were naming it. It was like, what does that even mean? I'm like, it's a Goat Rodeo. You just never really know. It's like trying to ride a goat. Might be crazy. It's not like greatest awesome. of all time. Yeah. Reference. But it, it, no, Maybe it will be all. someday, right? I thought that's what it was. And that's kind of cool. Like bringing together the greatest of all time. Not that I'm implying. No, no, no. I'm I just know. saying. I like you're on, you're on the podcast. You're I'm like, well, saying. I'm just saying, you know, like <laughs> of, of all time people that you're interviewing. Oh my also. gosh. Here's the other flip side of um, vulnerability is modesty. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't think that I'm the greatest of all time. I just think I'm maybe the loudest of all time. So. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that is a quality inherent with creatives. Like, someone can be brilliant at something, but they're still so self-deprecating. Mm. Where it's like, well, some part I'm of not, you... I'm not... I'm nothing special. Listen, just be honest. Some part of you knows you're a total badass. Like, in some small way. you Because you don't get up and, like, push forward unless you're like, I can do this. But there's a difference between recognizing that you're capable of like lots of really incredible things and being like, I'm amazing. Yeah, I definitely don't <laughs> and think everybody's going to know about it. I don't think I'm amazing. I think I am strong. And I think that I have um, taken it upon myself to That's be true. a representative of women that can't be strong like that. You're a very you're an incredible advocate. And I think knowing that you're an advocate and that's why you're doing things makes you more capable versus if you were just like, I just, because I'm important, people want to Yeah, it's not about me at all. Well, it takes a strong person to be able to get up on stage or do any of this stuff, live a public life and be able to deal with the bullshit that comes along with it and push it away and not have, not worry about that going in and say like, oh, I can't do this because there's going to be backlash. Yeah. Knowing that there may be backlash, there's going to be backlash, but I can get through that. Recently Nikon, I'll tell you the story really fast and then I got to run, but Nikon posted a picture of mine for Valentine's day. And I was like, so excited to go to their Facebook page and oh, this is going to be awesome. And I was like a ton of haters on (laughs) there. Like, oh my God. I was like, why did I even log that? And I had a moment of like, it hurt my feelings. And then I was like, you know what? Who really cares what they think? First of all, 
they're obviously sitting in front of their computer just being jackasses. Like that's a real life goal yeah, there. Right. One of these other efforts has, has done this. Right, yeah. exactly. This right. They're just trying to bring me down. Right. And the second thing is, even if they were right, right? Even if my photo was amateur or it so, was porn or it was whatever it, that they said it was, it's not about them. It's about the girl in the photo and yeah. about changing her matter? life and right. it worked. Right. And that's all that matters. Yeah. I think that we should, we obviously need to wrap today, but I feel like we should have you on again so we can talk about that empowerment of women. Yeah. yeah totally. I mean, if we're going to talk to the greatest of all time. <laughs> I'll go find somebody for you. Right <laughs> <laughs> I'll go out to the show floor and find you someone if you want. Wait, thanks for being on. We thanks appreciate you. Um, how, where can people find you online? Um, Instagram, Jen Rosenbaum with a Z is like where I put most of my thoughts and images and it's kind of comes all together there. But boobies. again, and, and boobies, you'll see my poobies uh, <laughs> or my foobies as I like to call them, the fake boobies. Um, and YouTube and Facebook and all the places. Okay. All at Jen Rosenbaum. All at Jen Rosenbaum. Cool. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, thank you again. Good luck today. Thank you. Cool. And we'll uh, talk to you soon. <laughs> you guys need a stronger ending than yeah, that. Yeah, that's... You need like a tagline. What should be our greatest of all time catch line? And we'll Maybe, see you next time. I think time. you need to make like a goat and noise or something. Bitches. And that's how later the bitches. <laughs> yeah. And that's how that's the how I would end it all the time. But. Later, bitches. <laughs> Snitchy bitches. Thanks for checking out the Goat Rodeo podcast. Please be sure to like and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash the Goat Rodeo podcast or on Instagram at the Goat Rodeo podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to be notified as soon as new episodes become available. As always, we thank you for your support, and we'll see you soon.